Hello. Bonjour. Bonjour. Ciao. Hello. Welcome to Fertility Insights, the Cooper Surgical Podcast. We're delighted you've joined us to learn more about fertility and the latest research from highly respected and experienced experts within the industry. My name is Stephen Fleming, and I'm the Director of Embryology at Cooper Surgical Fertility Solutions. We've chosen today to discuss the role of in vitro maturation, or IVM, in oncofertility, as it's a relatively recent and innovative approach to fertility preservation for patients who are obliged to undergo gonadotoxic chemotherapy for various forms of cancer. Michelle, what, what can you tell us about the usage and success rates of cryopreserved ovarian tissue versus those of IVM oocytes? Um, obviously, when we perform fertility preservation for a patient, we, we always hope, of course, that first of all, that she's cured from cancer and that she survives cancer and that she will be able to have children later on. But we also hope that um, we, we, not, we, we, we will not necessarily have to use the cryopreserved tissue or oocytes and that she may um, get pregnant just um, by herself naturally without our help. But obviously, in, in a subset of women, um, there is um, ovarian insufficiency and these women struggle to conceive and they just come back to our clinic and they ask for um, um, assisted uh, reproductive uh, treatment. Some of these women, when they come back, um, appear still to have uh, some degree of ovarian function, but others just simply are um, menopausal patients and um, we, we, will, we will have to use the cryopreserved um, tissue or cells. Now, we have been, all of us, we have been cryopreserving thousands of ovaries worldwide in, in the past uh, two decades. And um, from all these ovaries, only a very small proportion of women have returned to the clinics to have their ovaries transplanted. Um, according to a recent publication by my colleague um, and friend Marie-Madeleine Dolmans uh, from Brussels, she, um, she reported in um, the latest issue of Fertility and Sterility, she reported the ovarian tissue transplantation in 285 um, women um, from five different centers in, uh, in Europe. And um, if you look at the number of ovaries that had been cryopreserved in these five centers, that was uh, more than 7,000 ovaries. So 285 women from more than 7,000 ovaries, that makes um, a usage rate of less than 5%. Obviously, some patients um, who had their ovary cryopreserved, unfortunately, um, may have died, or um, some women may not have needed their ovary because of spontaneous pregnancies, or some women um, may have just been too young at the time of cancer um, to, um, to be able to have a desire for pregnancy at the moment. So they may still uh, show up in, in the future. But um, So the usage rate is, is less than 5% for ovarian tissue uh, cryopreservation. And the success rate of ovarian tissue transplantation is approximately 25 to 30%. So that's quite, that's quite promising. And um, by no means um, IVM of oocytes, um, when, when IVM is performed on oocytes recovered ex vivo, will not be able to, probably will not be able to, um, to give the same, 
the same success rates um, at, at the moment. Um, the idea of, of IVM ex vivo is to boost the background reproductive potential, just to give like an additional chance of, uh, of pregnancy. And the limitation is um, obviously the, the low number of oocytes um, that can obtain in, um, in, 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 this, in this approach uh, in, in most patients. On the other hand, um, we recently published in Human Reproduction last year a study including 77 women who had um, one ovary removed and who had IVM ex vivo um, as an additional approach to this, um, to this strategy. And in these women, 77 women, the mean oocyte maturation rate in vitro was 39%. And they had, on average, 6.7 oocytes um, cryopreserved, mature oocytes. And the return rate is, in our experience, is 16%, which means that from 77 women, 12 women have come back to our center um, because they wanted uh, to, get, to get pregnant. And from these 12 women who returned, um, seven women had their um, ex vivo IVM material used and, and, and warmed. So seven women used ex vivo IVM, and of those, three children were born. So, I mean, we're talking about really small numbers, but three children from seven women is, I think, still a very promising um, result. So ex vivo IVM is still... Um, used only in, in, in a very small number of centers worldwide, but um, the, 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 the small numbers um, are already quite promising. And uh, so we, we, we hope that um, these numbers will grow in the future. Yes, that's really encouraging. Rob, is the recently evolved concept of a biphasic culture system for IVM that allows capacitation of the immature oocyte prior to maturation a game changer? Well, I hope so. Um, let's see. We, we, time will tell. Um, we, we think it might be. Um, but, you know, we've had many false starts in IVM, as we have in many other ARTs. So uh, we, will, we will know with the course of time. But it could be. Um, biphasic IVM um, is, is logical from a biological sense. Um, you know, it's a it's an intuitive thing to do. So uh, the signs look good. So let me explain how this works. Um, normally, when we do IVM, uh, we take the oocyte out of the follicle, we put it in vitro, and it will more or less spontaneously mature as soon as you take it out of the follicle. And in the case of a human, uh, we might give it human oocyte. We might give it a little bit of help with things like FSH or EGF or EGF-like peptides in vitro to push through uh, meiosis. So, but, but this is essentially spontaneous meiotic maturation, which, of course, was discovered around about a century ago. Um, now, this is not really a, rip, a, a physiological process because normally um, oocyte maturation in vivo is an induced process. So what we mean by that is that it doesn't occur spontaneously. It occurs in response to um, a, a very, very complex signal that comes from the gonadotrophin surge, from, from the ovulatory surge induced by LH, um, and which in turn induces a very complex cascade across the follicle 
that induces the oocyte to undergo meiotic resumption, despite the fact that it's still inside the follicle. So this uh, complex process of meiotic resumption, um, which occurs in vivo, does not normally occur in spontaneous IVM. So this is a bad thing for standard IVM. So the idea with biophasic IVM system is that you take the cumulus oocyte complex out of the follicle and you keep the oocyte meiotically arrested deliberately. So you do that um, by controlling the oocyte cell cycle um, and putting it into a pre-IVM culture medium, so hence why it's called biphasic IVM. So you have a two-step IVM system, and in the pre-IVM phase, the oocyte is kept meiotically arrested, fairly easily achieved, and that you keep the oocyte in the pre-IVM phase for a certain period of time. Now in the human, at this stage, that's typically 24 hours. And during that pre-IVM phase, we treat the oocyte and the cumulus cells with factors that we hope will improve developmental competence. Um, so factors such as FSH, um, and in the future, we might be able to add other factors that, that improve the development of the oocyte. So that occurs for about 24 hours. And then in the second phase of IVM, we move the oocyte into a new medium that does not contain an inhibitor. So the oocyte then is induced to mature using typically uh, the EGF-like peptide system. So this is um, a very encouraging IV, a development in IVM. It's only recently really been tested and applied in human. Um, this concept of biophasic IVM, in fact, has been very well researched and very well established in, in the animal literature. Um, in fact, it's been around for decades. There's a huge amount of background knowledge on this, of how, how it works. Um, and in fact, it's been used in domestic animal reproduction for some time. And it's slowly made its way to the human um, IVM field. So this has been very encouraging. There was an initial um, proof of concept study done in Brussels at VUB, at Michelle DeVos's unit, um, demonstrating that this concept is uh, theoretically uh, valuable in human IVM. Um, and it, sh it showed that the biphasic IVM system is superior to standard IVM. And then uh, in a very ambitious program, this was taken to Myduk Clinic in Vietnam um, and applied in pilot, and it's firstly in a small pilot RCT and then in a larger RCT, demonstrating that it works quite effectively in a clinical context. So this is now being used uh, mostly particularly in, in Vietnam clinically. It's, a root, it's the routine IVM system in Vietnam, which is the largest IVM centre in the world. And it's also being uh, tested in a number of other units um, around the world, including um, in, in Brussels, um, also in, in Moscow. Uh, and we will be implementing that here in Sydney um, in the coming months. So I, I do hope this is a game changer. Um, we will see. Um, and... If this particular version of bi biphasic IVM um, is, uh, is version number one, we will certainly in the future, uh, I think, be, be moving on to new and improved versions of biphasic IVM. Thank you, Rob. Michelle, um, is preservation of fertility in patients with early childhood cancers just as relevant as it is in women of reproductive age? 
Well, the, the answer is obviously yes. So um, young girls um, who, who are diagnosed with cancer obviously have a high risk of um, premature ovarian insufficiency as a result of the very aggressive chemotherapy um, strategies that are being performed and also because of um, um, radiation of the bone marrow prior to um, um, transplanting uh, of uh, bone marrow and, and stem cell transplant. So we are still seeing many young women in our fertility clinic who had a childhood cancer, but who at a young age, in their 20s, in their 30s, um, um, have um, post-menopausal hormone levels. So these women would have benefited definitely from ovarian tissue cryopreservation when, when they were children. On the other hand, um, little is no, known at the moment about the um, potential of ovarian tissue cryopreserved at a very young age, before puberty, um, because the number of women um, in whom this tissue is transplanted is, is still very limited. I think we have to wait uh, another couple of, for another couple of years before we will see the um, first um, women arrive who had their ovaries cryopreserved when, when, when they were children. Um, there are still, well, there has been one report already from one of um, the colleagues in, in another university in Brussels who reported the um, live birth in, in a woman who had her ovary uh, cryopreserved um, as a child and who returned, obviously, many years later. So at the moment, we, we, we believe that there is no reason why ovarian tissue that has been cryopreserved in a child would be unsuitable um, for reproduction when, when the tissue is transplanted. Um, oocytes are obviously a more challenging source uh, for reproduction if these ovaries are harvested from ovaries in um, prepubertal children, because we know that small follicles in um, very young children still do not have the full potential and the potential of these follicles will um, will be acquired in um, in later years and um, this has been shown in a very elegant way in a study in um, in israel recently where um, an israeli group reported in um, in i can't remember the journal really in 33 children um, with cancer, 33 children with cancer, where the cutoff age to obtain uh, mature oocytes from ex vivo IVM was, was rather five years old. So in, in really young girls, before the age of five years, um, the maturation rate of, um, of these oocytes was, was less than 5%, really. So a very poor um, yield of mature oocytes after ex vivo IVM in, in children less than five years. So I think these data indicate that the antral follicles from very young prepubertal girls may, may be rather dysfunctional. Um, so I think um, we would still cryopreserve ovarian tissue in very young children, but probably we would not encourage the use of, um, of ex vivo IVM in very young children. Thank you, Michelle. So perhaps we should conclude this podcast with you, Rob, by asking, how do you foresee the future of IVM? Or has it already achieved its full potential? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think 
Uh, no, I don't think it's reached its full potential. So I think there is a there is plenty to be done and plenty of future applications uh, of IVM. You know, I'm forever the optimist. Um, so the you know the the progress in the development of IVM has been slow. There's no question about that. Um, but I think recently uh, we've seen two important changes. One is the or development and application of biophasic IVM, and I do think that's a very significant development in clinical IVM, both for the treatment of infertility and also for uh, its use in fertility preservation. And secondly, um, I think the important thing is the increased usage of IVM in fertility preservation. Um, this is fairly new, and um, of course, uh, there are two ways in which we can use IVM for fertility preservation. One is from our sites collected by transvaginal OPU, and the other is ex vivo IVM, where we collect our sites from ovarian tissue. And neither of those um, have been particularly extensively used uh, in fertility preservation yet. And I think that that's likely, that's receiving significant attention lately, and I think there's likely to be significant uptake or increased usage uh, of this as we have an increasing. Um, survival rate of, of young girls and, and women of reproductive age who require fertility preservation. So I think in that sense, we will see um, more use of IVM in fertility preservation. But what does the future hold in general? Well, I think there's still plenty of room for improvement in the IVM culture system. Um, we uh, have just really this idea of biophasic IVM has just come of age and um, there are plenty of things that we can test and hopefully will have beneficial effect um, in being able to improve the development of our sites um, and in a biophasic IVM system. Um, I think the other thing point to note is that um, there's still significant room for improving the efficiency of IVM um, by improving the recovery rate uh, of our sites from follicles. Um, so IVM, just like IVF, is a numbers game. And if we can collect more our sites from the ovary, um, and if we have a better culture system, then we will have improved rates. So I think with the development of biophasic IVM, um, we are talking about collecting our sites from very small follicles with only patients that have received two days only of FSH. And this can be done in a random pickup um, uh, system whereby we're not monitoring the cycle from the patient. So if we if we just shoot the breeze for a moment and think about blue sky opportunities, we're only really one step away from having zero stimulation ART. Now that's pretty significant if we think about the fact that we can potentially generate pregnancies from women that have no monitoring and no stimulation. Just think about that for a moment, how significant that could be. So that's one area where I think IVM can go. Now, if we dream a little bit further, we think about what's going on behind the scenes in terms of oocyte biology. So recently we've been had this remarkable discovery of being able to generate oocytes from stem cells. So this is called in vitro oogenesis. This is a remarkable new field of biomedicine, um, quite revolutionary stuff where um, we can differentiate stem cells uh, down the germ cell lineage, grow those, grow follicles, do IVM, do IVF, and generate pregnancies in mice from stem cells. Now, this is a remarkable achievement. And of course, it's, it's, it sounds pretty, um, pretty fanciful, really. But um, 
we should never say never. And I think the fact that we have demonstrated in mice that in vitro oogenesis is possible, although it's extremely inefficient, it nonetheless demonstrates the principle that we can that we can develop and grow oocytes in vitro. Suggests that there's plenty of opportunity for us to take small steps of that in the human. This means that we should be able to take oocytes from very small follicles and grow and develop them in vitro prior to maturation. And of course, this means we have access to substantial numbers of oocytes collected from um, ovarian tissue. So this is an area where IVM couples into these technologies. And with future developments of of science and research in this area, um, we don't know where this is going to take us, but it might have important applications um, in the treatment of infertility and fertility preservation for cancer patients. So I'm optimistic. Well, with that fascinating look through the window of the future of IBM, I'd like to thank you, Michelle and Rob, and thank you to everyone who has tuned in to this episode of Fertility Insights. Please like, share and comment, and make sure to tune in to our next episode.